Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm joining a man who has no peer when it comes to knowledge of netball. He knows the stats, he knows the analytics, he does it for Netball New Zealand, he does it for Sky Sport as well, known for a long time. He's a great man. Todd Miller joins us. G'day, Todd. Have I got you, Todd? How are you going? Yes, I've got you. I've got you. I'm doing well. Uh, this season, compared to other seasons, uh, the only disappointment for me was the Southern Steel not picking up a win. The thing that pleased me about them, they never quit trying, but it did turn into a, like a five-team tournament. <laughs> it really did, and you have to feel for them because uh, yeah, they lost a couple of key players. Obviously, Shannon uh, Saunders with the pregnancy early on. And then uh, George Fisher in the preseason, so pretty tough when you lose experience like that right at the start of the, the campaign, and um, they never really recovered, to be honest. Is it a hard franchise to attract players to go all the way to the bottom of the south? Is that sort of the unfixable hurdle for them? No, I don't think so. I think even you know back to the Sting days, they've done really well at attracting um, really good talent down there, and um, even through ANZ. Championship and now Premiership, they've always you know got good players. I think they just got a bit unlucky this year with the key personnel that they did lose so close to the start of the season. Obviously, a, a key shooter is really important to any team, and a key player in any area of the court can you know have a massive impact on your season. It looks like we're going to bid farewell to a few very seasoned, uh, brilliant players, brilliant servants to the game of netball. We saw Bailey Mears play her final game of netball last weekend, and it looks like Claire Kirsten as well didn't want any fanfare, but she received the hucker from a teammate, so losing her. Uh, word on the street, Sula Fitzpatrick, this is her last season as well. We've probably seen the end of Katrina Rore. So having said all of that, these amazingly, brilliantly performed netballers, do you like what you're seeing in the youth coming through now yeah definitely you look at someone like Amelia Wormsley who probably at the start of the year you wouldn't have said she would have been the starting shooter for the pulse with the international like Joyce Mvula from Malawi uh, being there but um, you know she's stepped up and she's certainly been that player that's held you know that end together for um, for the pulse with Tiana Maturo who's done an unbelievable job really feeding her and uh, bringing her into game so um, yeah I think people like that um, you look at the um, young players uh, across the league, like Maddie Gordon's obviously been around a while, but she certainly stepped up this year. Kate Heffernan. Um, I think we're in good hands. I think probably defensive end is probably the end that most people look at and think, mm, we probably need a bit more depth there. Um, but yeah, across um, certainly the midcourt, it's, it's looking pretty good. Um, for years going forward. Yeah, you identified Amelia Wormsley, the other youngster breakout player I thought this year, and she is in the defensive end, and I asked Rob Wright about her uh, pre-game in the weekend, uh, Karis Stythe, and he thinks she's going to be absolutely world-class given a little bit of time. I agree, yeah. She reminds me of a sort of Liana De Brain style, you know, 190-centimetre defender, so she can emulate anywhere near what someone like Liana and um, that sort of, you know, level of player could do. She's certainly got all the attributes. Um, you know, she was certainly quoted a couple of times saying she's never really played goal defence and, and got a really good opportunity there this year and back at keeper. So, 
um, there's clearly going to be a spot. Zulu's made it very clear that this is her last year and she, she's, she's done with ANZ, hoping to go to the World Cup. So that does create an opportunity in that defensive end at Mystics for Karras. And, yeah, you can just see someone like that really progressing. Um, the disappointing team for me, I picked them to win the whole thing this year because on paper I think they measure up against anyone. And it is the mainland tactics just... Missed too many, uh, missed out on winning too many close games. Just couldn't put that final nail in, Todd. Yeah, and I mean they were averaging around fifty-one goals a game, like scoring. It's just not enough against the better teams. You, you know, defensive ends really good. You can keep you know the lower ranked teams to a low score and win with that total, but you're not going to beat the Mystics when they have a Grayson Wicky at the attacking end. So um, that was not just the shooters. That was a combination of just the lack of connection with their mid-court and shooters. So. They, they just battled to score. Um, they certainly got enough ball at times, but just couldn't, um, you know, get enough. And it was just they just didn't get enough opportunities. They were shooting high percentage as well, but they, they just didn't put enough shots up. Yeah, I think in very few games, I, I didn't see the combination between uh, Tapai Selby Rickett and Aaliyah Dunn. Uh, both Silver Ferns. Aaliyah was amazing mm. last year. Um, but it just didn't click at the attacking. I think defensively with Jane Watson, Karen Berger, arguably the best defensive uh, circle defence there. But was it their attack that let them down? Yeah, like, I think definitely as a collective from the midcourt through to the shooters. And I think everyone kind of joked at the start of the year it's the most laid-back shooting circle that you could probably ever put together in a franchise. And um, yeah, look, I, I don't think you can pin it all on the shooters. Yes, they didn't put up enough, enough volume, but that's also about the midcourt delivering that to them. You look at the amount of passes um, that they sometimes took to, to get it to their shooters and the work that someone like Tapia had to do to be a ball carrier, um, it just certainly didn't click and it certainly didn't play out, I'm sure, the way they wanted to and what most people expected it to as well. Something in the sport of netball that doesn't get discussed anywhere near as much as, or critiqued is the word, is in sports like rugby and rugby league is, is coaching. And we've got a lot of long, long-term coaches. Mitts um, down at the tactics, uh, Ranga Bloxham, um, Kitty Wills, etc. Um, do they need... Do they need refreshing among at, at the highest level of coaching, or do we not have the replacements? Far be it for me. I'm not a coach, but I think there's three things. I've, I've been involved with franchises and um, recruitment and coaches and all sorts of other things. And I think there's three three things you factor in. You know, can, do they win? What have they won? Do they transition people from sort of a national league player uh, to a silver ferns level player? Who have they developed? Who have they brought on from being? nowhere to, to be a player, like a development player that's come from the age of 15, 16 and into being the National League level. So I think that's, they're the three key markers and you look at the coaches and I'll let other people be the judge of, you know, who ticks what boxes in each of the franchises. <laughs> um, but certainly um, you look at some of the franchises and they're very happy to cherry pick people from other areas. Uh, you look at the region like the Central and yes, they've done a little bit of that, but they have also put a great emphasis on um, you know, their local talent and brought people through through that National League level. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're the three key factors for me for a coach. And if you're looking to make a change, yes, you need someone better, um, but they're the measures that you would look at to sort of make a decision around what you're going to do with a coach. There's a lot of movement amongst squads between seasons, isn't there? Like the, there's a number of players in the Premiership and there's six teams and they've probably played for four of them. Um, what brings about that movement? Um, there is a point system, so like a ranking of um, how many 
players on certain level you can have. So that does actually promote, you know, the um, sort of equalisation of talent across the six teams. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but that certainly plays a role in obviously people moving for opportunities or to be on a tier that they couldn't potentially be at a club that they're currently at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I encourage it. You, you don't want people sitting on a bench like a Paris Mason, for example, you know, has been in that pulse pathway. You'd hope next year she'd be someone the other teams would be targeting to, to be on court for them, you know, assuming there's not an opportunity for her to, to do that at the pulse next year. You'd hope that she would be someone that would get a regular starting position with another team. So there's a little bit of that, but also that point system does sort of equalise the players across the league as well. And that should, you know, you want an even competition, like we said, bar the steel this year. Um, it's actually been a really good competition. So to the elimination final this uh, Sunday, I think centre pass is 3.50, which is an unusual time, but there yeah. we go. Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to look up the results between these two matches, so why the hell should I? Todd will have them instantly. Pulse Stars, how have they matched up this season? Yeah, so 2-1 to, to the Pulse. The Stars won the first one and then the Pulse the next two. Interesting little side stat at Tirotapa uh, Arena in Porirua. They've played four times and um, yeah, the Stars have never beaten them there. So the Pulse have a good record um, at, at that venue and obviously the 2019 Grand Final rematch uh, at the same venue. So, um, look, I think the Pulse would be pretty gutted with their performance against the Tactics um, Round 12. So I'd expect them to fight back and um, they've been in really good form. Obviously, that you know broken eight match winning run for them, um, I think they're best placed at home. They always have a really passionate crowd. I can't imagine it won't be sold out. Um, they've you know, sold out their last two at TSB Bank Arena, so um, I'd be pretty confident they'll have a pretty strong home crowd behind them there. It's, it's been a remarkable season for flip-flops of form. Like you'll see a, you'll see a team uh, lose to people. Th- they'll lose a game that they think they should win, and then they win a game the following yeah. week that they think they should lose. There's, there's massive flip-flops in, in form and impetus in this season. Yeah, look, I think you, you can put that down to some double-header weekends as well where the teams do have to back up. and um, Sometimes that can come down to conditioning and loading on players and what people are and aren't allowed to do. You obviously saw Jay Watson come off. Everyone at home was probably screaming, why is Jay Watson going off at the end of you know the full-time period going into extra time? But there's, there's load management and all sorts of other things that you know coaches often don't talk about publicly. They don't want to make excuses, but that has a part to play in sort of what coaches are having to manage behind the scenes and probably get criticised for unfairly, but um, only the team and the environment will know, you know, sort of what minutes and what time people can play. So that certainly has played a part, I think, in some of the results swinging one way to the other. I was sitting just along the court from you in the weekend when the Stars played the Mystics and the Stars picked up that crucial bonus point, losing by five, but earned the bonus point to get them um, a little bit clearer, a little bit more wiggle room. And they celebrated like they'd won the game and the Mystics looked deflated because the Stars had made the final three. Reading into that, I was thinking, is that because the Mystics find the Stars harder to beat if they had to play them, harder than the, uh, the Tactics to beat? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the record going into last night, the um, the Mystics had won six of the last seven against the Tactics, and the only one the Tactics won was when Grace was out back end of last year with that um, ankle injury. So, yeah, I, I think certainly they probably feel like they match up better against them. And I think the other thing is, well, you don't want to lose to your cross-town rival. Imagine <laughs> playing in a grand final and losing to the Stars. It, that would probably be the one thing they wouldn't want to do. So um, I think there's an element of just that cross-town, you know, cousin-sister relationship that you like 
yep, we don't want to lose to them. We'd, you know, probably feel more comfortable playing against a team like the Tactics. They just match up a little bit better. Um, but then, yeah, you just don't want to lose to the guys down the road. So big job for the Pulse and the Stars, as I mentioned. Home ground, I think you're leaning slightly towards the Pulse, as, as I am as well. But when the Stars fire, they're really hard to hold out. Oh, Actually, before I leave that game, Amorangi Malasala, yeah. another breakout player of the year. Amazing. Yeah, like she's, she's been awesome to watch. And I think, too, um, you know, we always talk about two shooters being able to step up and take the load off a dominant shooter and that often wins teams, um, you know, games. So, you know, if one defence end knows, you know, that that's the target, they can essentially, you know, double on that player and say to the goal attack, okay, over to you, can you pull it off? And you look at what Amarangi's done this year and she's certainly done that on a number of occasions. And, yep, breakout season for her. Um, someone that you, you know, hopefully could, you know, look at, you know, heading down the track towards the Silver Ferns environment if, you know, she um, certainly wanted that. That would be something open to her. She can shoot, she can certainly feed, she can do all the things and shoot from distance. So um, massive wraps to her in the season that she's had. So if we wanted to have the most nail-biting, um, just hype game for a final... Um, I mean, there's the Mystic Stars Auckland rivalry, but then there's the Mystics Pulse and the Pulse, you know, the most successful franchise in recent history. I'm going to just say, let's say it's the Mystics and the Pulse. Neutral venue, no home court advantage. Which one would that suit most? Um, I, I, I don't think the venue matters too much. Obviously, it's great to have your home crowd. There's clearly more opportunity for Mystics people to drive drive there and get into the venue and stuff, but, you know, the Pulse are a very well-supported team and I'm sure they'll have a pretty big contingent travel um, no matter where a final is to, to be there for them. But, um, yeah, look, I think that, that in terms of a match-up would be a great one. Yvette McCausen Jury's last match, of course, in charge of the Pulse and Philly Fitzpatrick's song song for National League netball. So two pretty big storylines there and something that I'm sure all those playing groups would want to, you know, put something pretty special out there to send those people off in the way that, they want, which is with a you know championship, and of course the Mystics guaranteed a final. It's it's often, and I know there's a lot more to it. And you know they they've got wonderful players through the court. I think Michaela Sokolic beats in is nearly the player of the season for me at wing defence. But it's all about breaking Toyava and Weki. Uh, combination. You can't put two on Wiki and two on Toyava because you're only left with three players. C- can you identify how to shut that that amazing offensive weaponry duo down? Um, well, I think the Pulse have done it a couple of times and even the Magic have done it well. They've probably outstripped, you know, in terms of their performance this year. They've, they've really done well against um, the, the Mystics and I think Claire Kirsten and Farmer Yuani have done the best job at shutting down Peta Tuiava. And that really is the thing, not giving away silly penalties, getting your three feet, putting your hands over the ball and everyone else down the court doing their job as well. So, um, yes, it's a one-on-one matchup with, you know, whoever's on grace. But obviously, if she can't get the ball, then she can't shoot a goal. So um, it does come back down to shutting shutting those feeders. And um, you look at someone like Petter on Samu and, and also Claire Kirsten, she gets pretty frustrated if she's shut down. What does she have then to change up to and, and provide another option to goal to, to get that ball into the circle? So that then puts pressure on the goal attack to do more. Um, but certainly, um, yep, the, the path is Tuiava to, to Nweka. And um, if they can shut that down, no matter who it is at wing defence, has to have a good game, but everyone around them needs to do their job as well. Todd Miller, you're a netball guru. I appreciate your time and your expertise today. I will uh, see you courtside next time.
Awesome. See you then, Steffi. Cheers, buddy. There he is, Todd Muller. Um, what he doesn't know about netball hasn't been invented. He's a great man. Uh, good to talk some netball, actually. And so, as I say, we will have the live commentary uh, Sunday. I think we're on air at 3, 3.30. Uh, send a pass at 3.50. And we'll have lots of post-match analysis and interviews as well. Uh, myself and Brooke Lever, we will bring you that as well as the final, which is at Globox Arena. I think there's still some tickets left. Mystics fans, get involved. Hour 20 down the road. Happy days. Four o'clock the following Sunday. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back.